Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Gilead, you remember, is on the east side of the river Jordan, the northern part of that territory that the Israelites conquered before they crossed over the river and took the main part of Palestine. It was settled by Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The mountains of Gilead were the original home of the prophet Elijah. And in those tablelands and mountains, there grows an evergreen tree which exudes a resin which was highly prized among the ancients as a healing balsam. And from time to time in the Bible we hear of this balm of Gilead. The Ishmaelites that were on their way down to Egypt at the time that Joseph's brethren sold him as a slave were carrying the balm of Gilead, among other things that they were taking down to sell. Now Jeremiah lifts this expression from the physical and applies it to the spiritual. He likens the problems of the people of God at that time to physical sickness. And he says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no medicine, no treatment? that can meet the need of this patient? Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Well, in Christ's Object Lessons, page 418, I read this sweet assurance. Tell them that there is a bomb in Gilead and a physician there. So tonight I want to study with you about the bomb of Gilead, dispensed by the great physician. Christ, of course, is the great physician, and he's dispensing the bomb of Gilead, which means his grace, his love, his spirit, which is a mighty healing power. In the book, Testimonies to Ministers, page 200, I read, The great physician alone can apply the balm of Gilead. So this isn't something we can buy in the drugstore. And it isn't something that some commercial firm can get its hands on and charge so much an ampule or a pill or a package. No. And remember, dear friends, if you and I are to have any part in applying this balsam, we have to be the agents, the partners of the great physician. The great physician alone can apply the balm of Gilead. Do you believe that? Then let me make a very practical application of it right now at the beginning of our study. The only way that true medical missionary work can be done successfully is by those who have Jesus in their hearts. It was never meant to work any other way. The balm of Gilead 
for body and mind and soul can be dispensed only by the great physician. In Councils on Health, page 536, I read, The great physician-in-chief is at the side of every true, earnest, God-fearing practitioner who works with his acquired knowledge to relieve the sufferings of the human body. He, the chief of physicians, is ready to dispense the balm of Gilead. Oh, I thank the Lord for doctors and nurses that believe that, friends. When I get sick, which isn't very often, but uh, no matter if it's only once in a lifetime, I'm so glad that there is a place where there's some doctors and nurses that under Jesus, the chief physician, are dispensing the balm of Gilead. And thank God for the healing power of Christ flowing through the ministry of those whose lives are dedicated to the medical missionary work. Now, this evening, I want to study some of the ways in which this balm of Gilead can be applied to us and through us, all of us, if we will just share with Jesus. You remember in the 147th Psalm, I wish you'd turn to that, the third verse. Notice that God is in the business not only of healing broken bones, but broken hearts. Broken hearts are harder to heal than broken bones, my friend. And thank God the balm of Gilead is, is a specific. Psalm 147, verse 3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Thank God for that promise. Aren't you glad? He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Isaiah, the 66th chapter in the 13th verse. A wonderful promise of comfort and help and hope. As one whom his mother comforted, so will I comfort you. Oh, my dear friend, that man that I was reading to you about from the letter, he had to have blood of a certain type in order to take care of his need, didn't he? Yeah. The broken in heart, they need blood of a certain type. Thank God, Jesus is the only one. In our business, you, you and I have this job of getting together the patient and the physician that supplies this blood type or back to our original figure, the balm of Gilead. Now turn over to the New Testament, to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. And we'll see an example of the application of this balm of Gilead to broken hearts, to sorrowing spirits. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. Paul had preached the message of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension there in Thessalonica. And a number had accepted the message. 
he'd had to leave and go on to other places. And he wrote them this letter to encourage them. Some of them were so disappointed because some of their number had fallen asleep in death. Their hearts were sad. And Paul, by the Spirit of God, wrote them this letter to comfort their hearts. Many here tonight have at one time or another suffered the pain of bereavement, lost a father or a mother, a husband, a wife, a brother, a sister, a son or daughter, or some other loved one, someone near to you by the ties of nature or friendship. Listen to this oft-quoted, never too often, promise of God. See how it applies the balm of Gilead to the wounded heart. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now will you read the 18th verse with me? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He who heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds is in this promise applying the balm of Gilead to the wounded heart. Do you see, dear friend? Yes. It's a specific, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Oh, I thank God for this comfort. I thank God that Jesus has applied it to my heart as from time to time I've had to stand by the open grave and lay, lay away a loved one. And I thank God that he's helped me scores of times to apply this balm of Gilead to other hearts who were called upon to go through the pain and sorrow of bereavement. Friends, thank God the prescription is a good one. Comfort one another with these words. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. I was reading a beautiful example of this in a letter that the prophet to the remnant wrote to the believers on Pitcairn Island back in 1894. In a storm, some of their number had been lost at sea and drowned. And she's writing to the bereaved. They're on that little lonely island in the South Pacific. Listen as she comforts these dear ones. I can only read a little of it if you'd like to read more of it, you'll find it in the book Selected Messages, book 2, beginning on 269 and running over to 274. Reading from 273, after mentioning some of them by name, she says, To the afflicted ones, I would say, be of good comfort in the hope of the resurrection morning. The waters of which you have been drinking are as bitter to your taste as were the waters of Merah to the children of Israel in the wilderness, but Jesus can make them so sweet with his love. And the woman who wrote these words had been called again and again to go through the experience of bereavement. She lost her oldest son, 
when he was a promising young man in his later teens, a beautiful singer. Everyone thought he would make a strong worker for God, but he was laid away in death. She was called upon to stand by the grave of her youngest child, a little babe. Her mother heart was torn with anguish. And then later her dear husband. They had stood side by side in preaching this message through the early days, laying the foundations of this church. She had to see him laid away. So she knew what she was writing about that there is bomb in Gilead. That's what she says here. God has provided a bomb for every wound. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is a physician there. In every trial, plead with Jesus to show you a way out of your troubles. Then your eyes will be open to behold the remedy and to apply to your case the healing promises that have been recorded in his word. If you'd been one of the little band on Pitcairn, wouldn't it have made you glad to receive such a message from the prophet, written especially to you in that situation? But why is it printed here? Ah, so that you and I can have it. So that this message can be a blessing to us when we're called upon to meet the pain and sorrow of bereavement. Or when we're called to share with others who are bereaved. Thank God, dear friends, the anchor holds. Thank God there is a balm in Gilead, a balsam for weary and wounded hearts. Now, I want to ask you a very practical question. If you believe that Jesus can comfort people who have to meet the terrible trial of seeing one they love most dearly taken away in death, if you believe that Jesus can take a broken heart like that and heal it, do you believe he could take care of some smaller trials? Do you think he could? Would it be a good thing for us to test him and prove him and experience the healing power of the balm of Gilead in other situations? Ah, oh, my friend, we need to know God in the little trials in order that our faith may grow and develop, and when the big trial comes, we're ready for it. Do you see? This is so important. What is your trial? What is your sorrow? What is your pain? What is your wound? Is there balm in Gilead? Is there a physician there? Can Jesus help you in your trial? Ah, oh, dear ones, if you can say, yes, I know it, it's true, it's working, thank God you can help others. But if in your own life the wound is incurable, whatever it is, how in this world can you offer to others a medicine which does not work in your own case? How can you, in faith, bring others to a physician who apparently has been able to do nothing for you? 
How can you do it? Do you see, dear friends, the importance of knowing in your own life the healing power of this balm of Gilead? The healing power of this balm of Gilead. You know, if you'll turn back to Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, you'll see another illustration. The balm of Gilead, of course, is from the vegetable world. Now we'll take an illustration from the animal world. Deuteronomy 32:11. Moses is talking about God's care for his people. And he compares the way God deals with his people to the way the eagle takes care of and trains her young. We'll read beginning with the ninth verse. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste, howling wilderness, he led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. I want you to picture a little eagle in the nest, way up on the crag. Here comes the mother eagle in. What's she bringing? Something to eat. And that little eagle, oh, how glad he is to see Mama. Sure, you'd be, wouldn't you, if you were up there? Now, I want you to think of it. The days go by, and all the time here comes Mother in with something to eat. And here I am, I'm the little eagle. I really have it good, don't I? I have it made. And I don't want anything else. I like it just like it is. I have nothing to worry about. I get my three squares a day, maybe oftener if the commuter train is working. But here one day something happens. What does the verse say? As the eagle stirreth up her nest. Oh, yes. The day comes and the mother eagle, in effect, says something's going to be different today. And so here I am, I'm out of the nest, and I find myself pushed out over the side of that precipice, and I'm just, how would you feel? And what do I think? What's the matter with Mama? Doesn't she love me anymore? Why, everything was going along fine. What did I do? Why am I being punished like this? And down and down I go. And I'm about to be dashed to death on the rocks. But suddenly right under me in flies who? Mama Eagle. Mama Eagle. Oh, how good it feels. And up and up she soars. And when I get over the shock of the whole thing, I say, well, now this isn't so bad after all. <laughs> take a ride like this. Wouldn't you like to take a ride like that? And back I go to the nest, and I get my dinner. 
But you know what happens tomorrow? All over again, the nest gets stirred up. Yeah. The nest gets stirred up. And down I flutter. Maybe it's a little easier the second time I remember what Mama did, and sure enough, in she comes before I hit bottom. And incidentally, do you know what's happening? I'm learning to fly. And my poor little head didn't know that that was the purpose of the whole thing. I thought that life meant to just sit in that nest and wait for Mama to bring the food. But someday, someday, I'm soaring on my own wings, just going here and there like a great eagle does. And I say in my soul, this, is better than sitting in the nest being fed by mama. Do you agree with me? Now what does Moses say? As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him. Has he ever done it for you, my friend? Has he ever stirred up your nest? Just when you thought you had it made? Just when you thought you had everything coming just about right? And then something happens to stir up your nest, perhaps literally, geographically, or perhaps emotionally, perhaps financially, perhaps health-wise. Something happens unforeseen, unplanned by you. Nothing that you ever called for. You didn't order it from Sears Roebuck or anywhere else. It just came and stirred up your nest. And you flutter as you fall. Oh, dear one. Will you let God be to you what that mother eagle is to its young? Will you let him direct in when you sit in the nest and are fed from his hand? And when... He lets circumstances or people or whatever stir things up and you seem to be falling. Will you then do what that little eagle does and cry for mama? As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. This is what God is trying to teach us. It's the same lesson as the bomb in Gilead, isn't it, friend? Same thing, that the help is in Jesus. The help is in Jesus. But what he's after, and don't miss it, is to make us so that we can fly in the heavens and not just sit in the nest and be fed. You know, God does this sometimes with the human agents he uses. Did you ever have somebody study the Bible with you? And as we say, bring you into the truth? And then after baptism, you felt dropped like a hot potato. Why were they so interested in me beforehand? Now I'm in the church. Indeed, why? Well, it's time for you to learn to fly, my friend. Time for you to learn to fly. It isn't. It, the life program is not to just sit in the nest and have some pastor, some Bible worker, some church elder just visit you and feed you and take care of you from here on out till the trumpet sounds? Oh, no. 
Thank God you can learn to fly. Why? So you can help others. This thing's got to go on and on and spread. Do you see? And listen, if people, don't miss this, if people don't know enough to teach you to fly, God will take over himself and see that it happens. Yes, that's right. You remember that boy, Joseph? His father was taking care of him very tenderly. And that's nice. If I'd been Jacob, I would have appreciated a boy like Joseph, wouldn't you? But God saw that 17-year-old Joseph, it was time for him to learn to fly. And he stirred up his nest. What a stir it was for him. He found himself a slave down in Potiphar's house, but bless God, he learned to fly. He wasn't dashed on the rocks. Who lifted him up on the everlasting arms? God did. It's right, my friends, that we should do everything we can to help people, sick people, weary people, sad people, discouraged people. But listen. Unless we can help them to get anchored in Jesus, depending on Jesus, we will not live long enough to save them ourselves. No human hand can lift the burden. No human remedy can heal the wound. Christ alone can apply the balm of Gilead to the weary, the sick, the sad, the sinning. And our business, you and me, is just what the disciples did with Jesus day after day as they journeyed through Judea and Galilee. It was to bring the sick and the sinning to Christ. It was his presence that brought healing and salvation. Wasn't it, friend? That's our business, to get people in touch with Christ, anchor them in Christ. If you lead them to depend on you, you're missing the point of the eagle. You're missing the lesson. They must learn to fly. They must learn that God is able to make them strong, to bear burdens and do things themselves, and not forever to be dependent on you. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him. I was quite interested in this statement in the book Ministry of Healing on this, Page 486, we are prone to look to our fellow men for sympathy and uplifting instead of looking to Jesus. In his mercy and faithfulness, God often permits those in whom we place confidence to fail us in order that we may learn the folly of trusting in man and making flesh our arm. Let us trust fully, humbly, unselfishly in God. Let's do it, friend. What do you say? There's another time when we need special help, special comfort. It's when we have plans to do something for God and those plans seem to be frustrated, perhaps dashed from our hands, the work we would do. You remember that David, after he had fully gotten hold of the kingdom, Judah and Israel. As he sat in his beautiful home one day, he got to thinking, here I have this lovely palace, and the ark of God is just in a tent. I want to build a house for God. 
Was that a good thought or a bad thought? Oh, that was a good thought. And David, doing the, going at it the right way, he asked for counsel. And surely doing it the right way, he asked the prophet for counsel. You know what the prophet told him? Oh, that's a wonderful plan, David. Go right ahead with it. And then that night, the prophet had a dream. God said to Nathan, you go tell my servant David he's not to build that house. He'll have a son called Solomon that'll build a house, but he can't build a house. He gave the reasons. Now, what would you have said? With all David's mistakes, thank God he had some beautiful traits. And one of them was when God spoke, David listened. Like David's harp that responded to David's fingers, David's heart responded to the touch of God. David accepted the divine mandate. He saw his plans to build that house put aside. But thank God he had the joy of helping Solomon get ready to build the house. He never saw it built. He died, of course, before it happened. But he devoted the balance of his life toward gathering the materials talking over everything with Solomon. My friend, can you stand having your plans set aside? Or does it leave you raw, sour, disappointed, frustrated, hard to live with yourself, or perhaps with others? Tell me, can you take having your ambitions for God set aside? I'm not talking about ambitions to be big in the world. I'm talking about a sincere desire to do something in the work of God. Can you stand having your plans set aside and the thing you've dreamed about changed or denied? Can you? Thank God David did. Now notice the comment on this in Ministry of Healing 473. Our plans are not always God's plan. Oh, but I'm sure this is. Well, David was sure he was. Our plans are not always God's plans. He may see that it is best for us and for his cause to refuse our very best intentions as he did in the case of David. But if he sees it best not to grant our desires, he will counterbalance the refusal by giving us tokens of his love and entrusting to us another service. Often, our plans fail that God's plans for us may succeed. God wants us to lay plans, but he wants them to lay them at his feet. When we've laid our plans, lay them at his feet, and then maybe have to lay them aside. That little eagle has plans to eat today like it did yesterday. But something's going to happen before nightfall that seriously interrupt its plans. It finds itself fluttering, battling for its life but learning to fly. Oh, my friend, whatever the sorrow, the disappointment, the denial that comes to you, can you say, thank God, I know that God lives, I know he's on his throne, I know that whatever he allows is for a purpose, and I'm going to let him run my life. If I'm wounded, I'm going to apply to the great physician for the balm of Gilead, and I know that the great physician will heal me. 
If I'm disappointed, I'm going to run to the Comforter, and I know he will comfort me. Oh, friends, there is a confidence in true Christian experience that is indomitable. And it's going to need that to carry us through the time of trouble, isn't it? Well, let's get at least through the third grade. What do you say? And on and on. Let's finish our elementary course and get into high school. Whatever more we need beyond that. I'm talking about this school of learning to trust God. Of learning to accept the assignment of his providence. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Is there a bomb in Gilead? Is there a physician there? Thank God there is. Praise his wonderful name. May we kneel together in prayer. Now as we kneel here, before we open our lips in prayer, I'd just like to ask, I wonder if there's anybody here that has a wound that needs healing? I wonder if there's anybody here that has a problem that needs solving? I wonder if there's anybody here that has a need that the great physician is longing to take care of? If so, will you raise your hand where you are, and I know Jesus will see your hand, and he'll give you your heart's desire. Blessed Lord, thou hast seen our hands, thou dost know our hearts. Thou dost read the life record, of every man and woman, every boy and girl here. Oh, I thank thee that thou dost give each one the same attention as though that one were the only one in this chapel, the only soul on this planet, the only one in all the universe. Oh, what a wonderful God thou art. Just now, apply the balm of Gilead to wounded hearts. Just now assure the weary and heavy laden that there is rest in Christ. Just now, where we've been disappointed or frustrated, take from our souls the strain and stress. May we no longer wrestle against Thee, but in humble submission cast ourselves upon Thee as Jacob did at the Jabbok, saying, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Where we've looked to humanity and been disappointed, help us to look to thee, knowing that thou wilt never disappoint us. Help us to learn to fly, not merely to be fed in the nest. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, if somebody would like to witness, just come forward. And let your testimony confirm the message of the word. When I was a very young man, I was enjoying a close, very close fellowship with the Lord. My heart burned with a great desire to do something great for him. And I I can vividly remember one day, I was visiting friends in Florida. I went out by a palm tree and I sat down and put my head between my knees like Elijah did. And I earnestly sought the Lord to, to help me to do the thing that I thought would just be wonderful for the Lord.
But I had a problem. I was a very sick young man. I was running a fever of about 101 that day. I told the Lord, I said, Now, Lord, you're going to have to heal me first. But if you'll heal me, I'm going to do this great thing for you. And the Lord heard my prayer, and he was very, very near to me that day. But I promptly got worse and worse and worse physically and uh, until I was lying on my deathbed. And then the Lord finally worked the miracle slowly that brought me back to health. So I was four years uh, regaining my health. And it was another 12 years before I got active, actively involved in the Lord's work. It was 16 years before he answered my prayer. I've never done the great work I intended to do at all. But he got me deeply involved in his work. And, and as I've watched how the Lord has worked with me through the years, I've never gotten a single thing done for him like I wanted to. Not a single thing ever went the way I wanted it to. But I'm just thankful that he sets my plans aside so that his plans can be worked out. Thank the Lord. Let all the congregation say amen. amen. Pastor Smedley. The only difference between run and ruin is I. And I want God to run my life and not let me ruin it. Thank you. A lesson was impressed to my mind this week as I was studying something about Ezekiel's vision and the wheel and what seemed to him to be total confusion. But the lesson was brought to my mind that God has a plan for all nations and not only for nations but for each individual, each individual. And I want him to be able to use me in that little corner of that wheel. Thank God. I've been praying a lot this week again, and which I should be doing. And the other morning I was praying that the Lord would help me out with the decision I had in my mind and that he would direct me to do something. And I picked up my Bible and I was studying in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And as I read, I read the 18th verse and it says, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Well, I was reading so fast that I didn't read it as commendeth. I read it as commandeth. And then I backed up and I said, wait a minute, that's not right. But that is right. That's what the Lord was trying to tell me, not to try to command my own life, but to let him command my life. And I just pray that I can have the faith to go ahead with that. And I think this message is another answer to prayer tonight to just reinforce that. I know that the message was meant for me tonight. I'm sure many people have been touched, but you know, it's in order to be healed, first we have to be sick. And sometimes you don't realize what it is when God allows us to become sick, that what he's really letting us do is turn to him for healing. And I'm thankful tonight there is a bomb in Gilead. There is help for those that are hurt, for those that are wounded, those that are crying out for help. And this week I've been crying for help. <laughs> and Wednesday night I should have had prayer meeting up at, the, up at the sanitarium, but I just couldn't quite do it. And thankfully Brother John was there. And afterwards he came to me and he said, let's study something together. And I had gone to the, the sanitarium earlier that 
day to take care of some of our, our housekeeping that hadn't quite gotten finished. And I was in a room by myself, cleaning it and saying, Lord, just, you know, what, what is it that you have me here for? What is it that you have me in this room here for? What is it that I have to do this for? And we have a Bible in every room. As I was cleaning the stand, I opened the Bible, and it opened to Psalm 84, and my eyes really grasped the hold of verse 6 in Psalm 84. It says there, while passing through the valley of Baca to make it a well. And I thought about it, but not very much, and I kept on working. And then at this study with John, he was showing me how, to, how he studies his Bible in the morning. And he says, now let's open it up and try it. And he says, let's open up to, let's say, Psalm 84. And I just went, what? What did you say? He said, Psalm 84. And I said, well, why did you pick that psalm? He says, oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. I says, I've got to know why you picked that psalm, because I've already read it once tonight. He says, well, that's the one that I always use. And it, it just made me know that the Lord was using John, but he was also preparing me ahead of time to receive this. And as we thought about and talked about the valley of, of Baca and make it a well, I realized that the Lord had allowed me to go into a valley and had let me see the hole that I was in. I know some, some folks have, have been in the same hole in housekeeping, but also in just in your own life and personal experience. There's, there's some pit that the Lord has taken us from. And as I as I thought about this make it a well, I thought, well, here I am in a hole. And the way you make a well is you dig your hole deeper until finally you hit water. And so that's what I decided to do. And may the Lord bless it. May we, may we dig our wells deeper until we can grasp a hold of Jesus, until we can turn to him and be filled with the fountains of living water. I'm so thankful to the Lord for the healing balm that he is bringing to my life. Sometimes I've been struggling and staggering and wrestling with the Lord for victory in my life. And he is showing me that as I turn to him and look to him and praise him all day long for bringing me that victory, he's bringing what I want to my life and he's bringing the peace and the balm that I need. And I'm just so thankful to him tonight. One night I was getting ready for bed and I had my mind on something I was really wanting to do and I didn't see how I was going to be able to do it. And I was getting really upset and all of a sudden this text flashed in my mind. Trust in the Lord. It might not be all right, but it's like this. Trust in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And all of a sudden I just got really happy. Right, all I have to do is trust the Lord, love the Lord and... He'll give me the desires of my heart. So I got finished getting ready for bed and crawled in bed and got the light out and all of a sudden another thought hit me. But then the Lord might change, well, can change your desires to meet his desires. 
And so you might not get what you want at all, because that might change if you submit to the Lord. I thought, oh, wow. And I thought, well, Lord, it's really going to take a miracle for that to happen to me, to be happy that you can change my plans. But I'm thankful that you're in the business of working miracles. Constantly God is laboring to make up man's deficiencies. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. Now let me ask you something. Suppose we had some food here and there were some people that hadn't had anything to eat for two or three days. Would you suggest that we offer them something to eat before they go home tonight? I think it would be a good thing if they hadn't had anything to eat for several days, don't you? Yes. I'm not talking now about how many times a day you eat. I'm talking about feeding somebody that's hungry when they haven't had anything to eat for a long time. All right. And I've said all that to say this. Dear friend out there in the pew, if you've listened to all this study tonight and you've gotten the blessing and you know that Christ is your physician, your Savior, your Redeemer, your friend, and you know he has your case and your hand is in his, go in peace. But listen, if you listen to this study and you say, oh, I wish it was for me, I wish I could get some help. I wish I could get it tonight. You know what I'd do, friend? I'd stay here. I'd stay here. Jacob stayed on the far side of the Jabbok River until he got the help. Jesus stayed in Gethsemane till he got the help. And if I were you, my dear friend, if there's somebody here that knows you need the balm of Gilead and you don't have it, stay here and get it. Jesus is ready to help you. And some of us who know him will be glad to help you get your hand in Jesus' hand. We can't heal you, body, mind, or soul. But Jesus can. Shall we stand? Our Father, we thank Thee this evening that the balm of Gilead has been applied to precious souls. We thank Thee that our hearts, Father, have been warmed by Thy presence. We pray that as we go now, our lips will be alive with words of praise and thanksgiving to Thee. For Jesus' sake, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.